This is a production of KMmedia.pro. Welcome back to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So come on over into our world. I know you'll like it, because on today's show, Anne Scotland, and she has been on the show before. She's going to be with us. She is the coach of Live for Joy. Anne Scotland is, um, she's an actress. She's a coach. She's a live coach not a dead coach. She t- takes care of people. She is, she really is an extraordinary human being. And this is her fifth time on, uh, on my show. And, uh, she is, uh, just really a, a phenomenal human being. And, uh, she figured out how to get here. But if you want to go look at past episodes, you can go to episode, go to positive and you can listen to episode one nineteen or one forty eight or 181, or 202, and this will be 334 of on the uh, pod, or on the radio show slash podcast. And and uh, and thank you for uh, finding your way. <laughs> yay! Yes. Well, I came through the same door twice, and somehow the second time worked. So yay! It's it's amazing. I I, I get asked to go through the door many times. And- <laughs> Oftentimes I'm not allowed to, but you've also written the book called live for joy. And I, by the way, you sent me a copy and I have it here. This is a beautiful book. You really worked hard. And this, this is, it's, it's a hardback. It's, this is one of those books and the way it's written. Um, and that I would put on my coffee table when friends were coming over so that they could just thumb through it and they could have a, you know, look at some of the things in here. It really is a beautiful book. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. A lot of tender, loving care went into that. I, I hand selected every illustration and photo and piece of artwork and yeah, a phenomenal amount of time. But uh, do you feel like it supports the messages? Oh, absolutely. Yay. Oh, I'm absolutely. so glad. I love, I love the, cause what it is, is it's got a saying and it's got a picture on the other, on the other side in, uh, of the page. And the pictures are beautiful and the sayings are dynamic and they can really help people. And, and you know, since you've been on the show so much, and I've been thinking about this, you've been on the show enough that I would really like to get deep, go <laughs> deep into, <laughs> into the art of joy. So I guess the first question I would have for you is, um, what is the difference between joy and happiness? Ooh, good, good question. I get asked that all the time. Uh, so happiness is great, right? But happiness is binary. Either you are happy or you kind of aren't happy. You can't like be in the middle, really. <laughs> you yeah. are or you aren't. <laughs> it's, it's, and I'll tell you, it's like yesterday. At one point in the day, I was extremely happy because my Mariners were winning four to nothing. <laughs> and I was doing a little dance in my house and, and just really enjoying that. And then it became four to two. So then I <laughs> sat down and was less happy. And then and then it got to be six to two. And then I was happy again. And <laughs> and then it got to be seven to two. And then I was really happy. And then they scored three and then they scored three more and we lost the game and I, <laughs> I lost my happiness and it was sad. <laughs> so sad. Yes. No, but that's such a great illustration, right? Right. Because happiness is kind of that bumpy ride up and down, up and down. I mean, and we're kind of told, you know, what happiness is supposed to mean. We've grown up with sort of these commercial influences, media and television and film influence. You know, if you have, if your team wins, you're happy. If they're not, don't, you're sad. If, if you get the right significant other, you're happy or the right job or the right house or the right car or the right clothes to wear, as opposed to, um, you know, so either you are happy or you aren't. Well, the problem with that, as we know, is that once that one happiness is achieved, so the brand new car someone might have bought in 2000 and made them so happy, it may not be making them quite as happy anymore. <laughs> exactly. The older it gets, and then you look at somebody else who's got a newer car. And so happiness is kind of fleeting. It's, it, is. it, it isn't, it isn't sustainable because we don't choose for it to be sustainable. 
Well, you know, and I don't know that we sit down and, you know, in intentionally articulate that, like, I don't want it to be sustainable, but I think it's the way we understand it now. And let's be clear too. So happiness and joy are first cousins. So we don't want to just kind of completely confuse everything because sometimes they have some overlap, but I like to, since I talk so much about joy, kind of create the distinguishing question, which you asked. So, so joy is a little different because joy is more, um, less surface, uh, and more deep. It's more of an organic gut level sense of personal well-being that continues whether your team wins or loses, or that can continue even if it's a bumpy emotional ride on the surface of the lake, you know, those waves on the top when it, or on the Puget Sound when they get all whipped up, right? But deep underneath, it's much more still. And that's sort of where joy lives in that, in that spot, which it's much more grounding. I think we were all born with joy, organic, original joy. I think it's a human birthright. Uh, when you see a, a little baby or a toddler laughing and giggling and screaming or playing and just having so much fun, they don't really understand yet the concepts of do they have the latest car and how nice is their baby stroller. <laughs> 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 they are really just being joyful from this intrinsic organic place um, where they're celebrating life. And to me, that's that's where joy starts, that organic place, that kind of right each one of us has to human beings. We can't predict the perfect life, but we can choose to connect to that part of us that is grounded and well. How do you, because there was somebody out there is asking the question, okay, Anne, that's great. I, I know that you had a wonderful life and, and it's been perfect and everything, which, by the way, I know that that's not the case. But at the same time, and by the way, you can go back to some of those older episodes and we can, because we do talk about that a great little bit. But so, so it's not a matter of that it's just a circumstance of your life that everything is cupcakes and roses and you're happy all the time and, and, you, and you got joy in your heart. That's actually, isn't it even a skill to learn how to do that? To, to kind of, to tap into your joy? Yeah, to, to, to understand that, that even though life has its ups and downs, mm -hmm. things are not going to always be perfect, but you can choose how you are going to respond to those things that happen in life, and you can maintain your level of, of, of joy that transcends the events that happen in your life. And, and is that, yeah. does that work? Um, 50, 50. Oh, okay. So here's the thing. I don't necessarily think that it's a skill. Now it can be a practice that gets easier with time. And if you want to define that as a skill, that's true too. Uh, I think honestly, it's easier than a skill. Cause once we tar start talking about cultivating a new skill, it's like, Oh God, I have to learn a different kind of sit-ups really. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll be happy. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it's more of an awareness, really like creating awareness uh, around what brings you joy and keeping that in you when those surface things go up and down. So, you know, living in a beautiful state with a beautiful mountain and a beautiful ocean, there's probably things in nature that for many, many of us are very grounded. You know, I was born in Renton. This is like my home, home stomping grounds. And being in nature is very grounding. So to me, this is just an illustration. For me, this is one of the things that is creates a lot of joy in me. It gives me peace. It makes me feel connected. It makes me feel happy. It helps me forget kind of the hustle and bustle. And it doesn't really matter in that moment when you're just sitting looking out over the sound or listening to the seagulls or just breathing in the air you're just not really thinking about you know how much money i have in the bank right now and what bills i have to pay and am i happy or am i not happy it's more you know in this moment i am well it's a lot about being present really joy is a lot about learning to be present in the moment you know i think everybody in life at least everybody that i know has gone through what, and there was a period of time that I went through it, and I call it uh, my uh, bad country music song period. <laughs> and it was, you know, um, my wife left, my I lost my house, my dad died, my dog died, I got sued for $50,000, I hit a bridge with a truck, oh. and, you know, just, it was like going on and on and on, and 
even through all of that, I maintained a level of of happiness and because I hit the bridge at 35 miles an hour and I didn't die. I, th- I thought that was pretty good personally and uh, and stuff. So it is, are some of us just naturally more joyful than others? Well, that's a really good question. And um, according to science, uh, new neuroscience really, and um, psychological studies, it is true that some of us have a predisposition to be happier or sad, uh, to kind of go dark or light. We all know some of those kind of people, you know, in the world that just, you see these people that like, no matter what happens to them, they're just so bubbly and it's almost annoying. (laughs) I'm I'm one of those, I'm afraid. (laughs) And then you, yeah, me too. And then you see others and, but uh, this is variable too, because I wouldn't say this has been true throughout my life. Then there's others that you see that just, I mean, it even doesn't matter if they have all the right toys or all the right things. They just seem to be a miserable son of a something all the time. Like no matter what, they're just so angry and so miserable and you can tell that they really don't have joy. Well, there is some hereditary factors. There are chemical factors in each individual and your chemical makeup can affect uh, your quote unquote happiness or joy. The good news is that it can be taught you can learn if you wish to be happy and some people don't kevin did you know that i did and it drives me crazy i don't <laughs> like those i don't like being around people who 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 choose not to be happy well it becomes an identity for some people you know that's true it does it's literally like this is who i am and this is how everyone knows me and you know it's kind of like becoming the celebrity of your own life and people just they kind of hear you coming and even people who are they dread you coming. You still have an impact and people get kind of addicted to that. You know, that impact, that wave they create when, you know, when they come around. But is that really worth it spending your whole life, you know, just having a reputation and feeling like you have this little tiny bit of power, but really being miserable all the time? I mean, I know people who really, let's just put it this way. They practice being miserable all the time because their life, I witness their life is variable. Good things happen, bad things happen, better things happen. The sun comes out and they're still bitter and just choose to be in this, oh, poor me, everything, I'm a victim space. And those are, you know, I like to help people and encourage them to pop out of that. But you can only do it if you want to, surprisingly. <laughs> That's a, that is true, by the way. And by the way, we're talking with uh, Ann Scotland, and she is a dynamic coach, and she helps people find joy in work and in play and in just generally in their life. And so, if you'd like to, if if. If you're driving up 405 and you're driving at five miles an hour, by the way, that's a freeway, and uh, you're driving at five miles an hour and you're just not getting where you want to go and you're feeling a little down, why don't you give us a call and we can talk to, and you can talk to Ann and uh, uh, let me give you the phone numbers, which is 425-373-5527 or 888-298-5569. And Ann's got over a hundred thousand followers on twitter how'd you do that oh wow you know it it takes a lot of effort it's not all spontaneous (laughs) (laughs) i didn't Um, know you had a hundred thousand friends that's pretty good (laughs) right yeah so no it's just you know providing good content on an ongoing basis and then and taking care of it just like any other part of your business you you have to take care of it keep it healthy keep it organic don't be like paying people for followers and all that kind of crap you have to actually you know have a legitimate organic following but i love it and i love talking to all my followers on there and you know in many ways that's how the book was born part of the way the book was born because all the contents of the book which appears sort of like quotes and passages but they are all original they're all original and most all of it was tested most of it was tested on my followers over many years um and getting their feedback and getting their comments and finding the ones that really resonated and that's eventually what turned into this 12 12 chapter 280 page book so that's where that came from and um just getting to know what people were needed and wanted and being willing to have a philosophical conversation about some of the basic things in life that you know people just don't want to talk about like what does it take to have courage what does it take to find joy um you know 
How do you admit when you're wrong? How do you decide that joy might be more important to your life than being right all the time? Things like that. Well, you know, if you're a politician in this country, you the way it is these days, you've been taught I th- it has to be taught that you're never wrong, that you're always right. And, and if you are wrong and somebody calls you on it, you just skate away. You do the, like, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, little horse house, little whorehouse in Texas, where he would do that, uh, Texas two step and, and, uh, um, step away from trouble when, uh, <laughs> um, whenever he could, because, because, because it takes, and you're right. It takes a certain amount of courage to admit that that you're not perfect and that occasionally you make a mistake or just that you're not right, you know, and that, you know, sometimes we have such, um, we have such an agenda. We think that our, our personhood, our selfhood is only distinguished by the fact that we have a stronger opinion about something than someone else where we don't realize that, you know, just being in the moment to being at peace, learning to listen more, um, now that's not that we all have to have our warriors, warriors. Can I say that? Warrior, you know, the warriors. Okay. In every society, <laughs> we all have to have warriors, right? So we're going to have those people on the front lines that, you know, they fight for specific things. And this is why they have a reason, but we don't all have to fight all the time. Just because we're a democracy doesn't mean we have to fight all the time. In fact, if we would spend more time looking at the commonalities between us and our neighbors and people in other parts of the country and people of other parts of the world, we discover they're really so much more like ourselves than we have ever let ourselves think. And when you realize you have actually a lot more friends than you thought, life can be a little better. It really can be if, if you recognize that, that we are all, one of the things that I say is that we are all one. We're all part of the same place. We come from the same energy. And uh, there's there's much more commonality between us than there is differences. For sure. For sure. And the differences that we come up with are sometimes differences that we manufacture because we don't want them to be like us or we're scared of the other or or different groups and that kind of stuff. But that's that really doesn't serve us very well. Well, you know, um, in ancient times, we were much more of a collective society. Um, everything was done for even the way the laws were written in ancient times was pretty much either for the good of the monarch or the good of the whole if it was a you know somewhat healthy state um it was oh if someone steps out of line it's not good for the whole so we're going to take care of that that's why punishment was often very brutal uh but we've kind of changed our mindset you know we no longer have a dictatorship we no longer have a theocracy meaning for most of us that god is at the top of the political pyramid uh we have this belief and partly as americans we often say we have this right to our individual freedom to our individual to opinion to state our opinions freely which is a huge and wonderful gift i think it's been abused to a certain extent where we we have decided that we have to be so individualistic that everything has to be friction at the expense of society as a whole, at the expense of relationships, at the at the expense of family, family friendships and close, you know, people that are close to us. So I don't say that, you know, you can't have a great opinion about something, but sometimes just weighing it, you know, is it worth it? It's like gossip. You know, sometimes it might be kind of sort of harmless, and other times it really doesn't make you feel good either. You just get that crappy feeling like I shouldn't have said that about so and so. And it's like, is it really worth that, you know, two minutes of indulgence (laughs) at the office? And then just kind of like, you know, it really wasn't worth it. And I really feel like I, you know, I let someone down that I know and that I care about. So, you know, picking and choosing, I think is a big part of learning to find your joy and live in it on a more regular basis. I gotta ask you, but first, before I do that, I got to do this. If you want to give her a call, uh, first of all, if you want to go to annscotland.com, you can find out all the information about her. That's with two T's, by the way. So annscotland.com. Um, and uh, you can find out all the information about her. But give us a call. If you if you have something that's on your mind, if this is resonating with you in any way, shape, or form, give us a call and let's talk about it. 425-373-5527 or 888 888- 
1-800-227-5569. Now, I went through all of that, and then I for, totally forgot what I was going to ask you. Well, that's so, okay, because I was going to have a comment anyway, Kevin. I was just going to say, so, so one of the things that we sometimes do with callers is if you have a particular challenge, you know, I'm, um, I'm a certified life and business coach. Um, I'm a writer, a speaker. I work with groups, workshops. I do a lot of private coaching. In fact, I'm opening up a new coaching program um, right now and uh, retreats. So what I love to do is work with people, especially one-on-one, to kind of uh, thought partner with them and find what are some possible solutions to those who are open to finding new solutions to having more emotional wellness, to choosing to have a more joyful life. So if you have any questions about that, or if you have, you know, just want to challenge my thinking, I say, call in, bring it on. I love it. So I got to ask you then in my previous life, the, before I did this, which I dearly <laughs> love and am joyful in it pretty much every day. Um, but I was in the corporate world and a lot of times I had a, um, well, how do you say it nicely? <laughs> I had a, boss who was less than uh, somebody that I would choose to go have a beer with or even talk to if I didn't have to. Um, but there's nothing that I could do about that. And I had to figure out a way to make it work for me. How do you teach folks that are in that? Cause that happens a lot. I think, mm-hmm. um, how do you teach people that are in a situation like that to get through it? Yeah, no, that's a really big challenge and it's a real challenge. Um, And I think, you know, the first question to ask, and and I am not a therapist, so we'll make that clear too, just so everyone knows that. Um, The first thing to ask is, is this somehow an abusive situation that I need to take seriously? Or do I just can't stand this person? Like there is a difference. (laughs) And there is. I've got a gentleman that that, uh, we no longer obviously work together, but I I thought I'd pull this out as an example just because. Um, But... Uh, I was his assistant. Uh, this is in the restaurant business. He was a general manager, and he thought being a general manager was uh, all that in a bag of chips and thought he was really, really cool and that he was mean to the staff and mean to the people that we were working with, and I was expected in his mind to support everything that he did, everything that he said, even though in my heart of hearts, I knew that it was just dead wrong, but I could, but he wasn't open to change or to discuss anything about that. He expected total loyalty to him. Um, how do you, how do you get through that? I mean, I finally did. He, he left and, and it was like, ding dong, the witch is dead. The witch is, you know, but, but uh, yeah, how do you get through that? If you're in that situation, by the way, give us a call if you are, because uh, Anne can help you with that. But how do you get through that? Yeah, that is so tough and such a real, real experience. I can kind of, you know, I can feel that energy just coming through right now about, <laughs> you know, what that's like and to be in that kind of, um, that kind of environment. And, and I could just tell you right now, you know, People can get a lot, get away with pushing a lot of my buttons. I can be very patient, but hey, when you start messing with my friends, when you start messing with my coworkers, something in me comes out where I'm like, no, that's where I draw the line. And I think it becomes a decision at some point. So, um, you know, one is, you know, realistic question, can I afford to lose this job? And is there another one I could get? Or, you know, how critical is my financial situation? Are we at emergency level? You know, do you have to cope? And if you do, then finding some steps to do that um, would be one conversation. And then there's also, you know, what are your options? Um, Obviously, you probably tried talking to him. He probably didn't listen. Is that right? I had a tough time talking to him because we, we, he was the type, one of those type of guys that was very closed and it was, I'm always right. Uh, speaking of which, we were just were talking about that. And this is and this is my restaurant, and you'll do it the way that I want you to do it. And his assumption was that I didn't know as much as he. But the problem was, I'd been a general manager before, and so I knew as, as, as my own style, which is different than his. Um, but he wasn't allowing me to uh, vent it or talk about it or to initiate any change of any kind. So then I had to go to the employees who would come to me and, and excuse the expression, bitch about him. And I'd have to say, well, you have to understand he's this. And I'd have to make up some sort of story that made no sense to anybody, (laughs) including myself. No, I hate that. And, 
And it's really interesting you brought this up because I actually had a very similar experience this year in my own life, which was um, a collaborative business opportunity um, to come in and support uh, someone who uh, was fairly known, who had a large established business, and who wanted to bring in some of my assets and abilities into that picture. And um, it had a great financial opportunity. There was a lot going for it. But after a few months of participating in that, I just realized that one, people in the team weren't being treated fairly. They weren't being treated with respect. I don't mean you have to like, you know, just sh shuffle around and never look people in the eyes and just be like, oh dear, afraid of everyone. I mean, you know, people were um, asked rudely to do things. They were told to do things. Let's put it that way. Instead of asked to do things, they were yelled at legitimately. Um, you know, for the smallest things. And it was one thing when it was the team or me and you know how you kind of push back against that gut instinct. You're like, I know this just isn't right, but you're like, yeah, but the opportunity is really good. And then, but then it later it came to the clients. And when the clients started being, um, you know, told one thing and say they were being sold one thing and then delivered something else and the prices were changing. And, you know, in my opinion, it was just very unethical. Um, you know, it's a matter of opinion. But for me, I was like, I have a really high standard for people and customer service. And I really care about people. And I can't put my name on this business when I feel like people are being treated like that. And it was really hard to pull away because I had a lot invested in time and emotionally and financially. And I just, I walked away. I said, that's it. I can't, you know, and it was, it was huge. I was depressed for about a month at least like really down because I, you know, when you feel like this is like, this is just going to be one of those super duper win-win situations. And then underneath you kind of start seeing the cockroaches under the stove in the restaurant and you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. You know, the, the it's interesting that you mentioned restaurants again, but um, I have a rule. If I go out to lunch with somebody who is supposed to be a, a, a spiritual person, a person who, who talks about life in one way, that likes to get up in front of people and say certain things, and then we're having lunch, and they treat the waiter like crap or the waitress no. like crap, I won't abide that. Mm -mm. And, and then I know that they're not being genuine. Mm -mm. And because the, you, you, in, my, in my world, you need to support the least among us. Not that a waiter is anything less no. because they're serving us and they're doing a great, a great service to us. We should treat them with respect and treat them like, like we really care for their welfare and what's going on. And uh, he was, he, he just was inherently rude. And I, so I quit yeah. um, and he sued me and all that, you know, all that, all that happy stuff. But uh, it's just, you know, there are points in time when you need to take a stand for what you believe in. I think so too, you know, and realizing, you know, anyone who thinks they're above someone else, you know, I don't care what side of the table you're on. It's an exchange. That all it is. It's an exchange of goods and services. And now we use money and we used to trade other things. You know, it doesn't mean that anyone is better or worse. It just is how you respect someone you, you know, when I see people talk down to other people, it makes me so angry. And I'm that kind of person that I get myself in trouble too. I'll be like, you know, that is just not cool. Or later, you know, I won't embarrass the other person, you know, the third party anymore. And later I'll say, listen, that was so uncool. And I'm like, what? I didn't do anything. What are you talking about? That's ridiculous. Everybody does that. And I'm like, actually they don't. And I don't, and I don't really want to be seen with someone who does, because if you are not, you know, Kevin, as you always say, we are one. Yes. When you are damaging or unkind to anyone else, you are hurting yourself. And if you don't see where that connects the dots, that's for discussion for another day. But just believe me, you are. There's a million different things you could karma, call it from good citizenship to karma to <laughs> just uh, having, having life living in your joy. People that don't respect other human beings in their environment don't live in their joy. They live in their ego. 
That is true. What is the difference between ego and joy? Ego and joy. Wow, that's a good question. <laughs> I know. I finally came up with one. <laughs> some people get a lot of happiness out of their ego, but we've already talked about how much that can fluctuate, right? Because it's a power trip. A power trip is ego. First of all, we all have one. I have one. You have one. Everyone has one. But it's how we use it or abuse it, really, right? There's nothing wrong with having a positive self-image. In fact, I teach people how to have a more positive self-image. But um, having a self-image that somehow makes you now a Greek god over all the rest of us, that's where the problems start to come in. <laughs> yes, it does. It really does. Go ahead. And you really can't have, again, you can have the happiness, you can have even like almost an endorphin chemical high. People who are, um, you know, people who have huge egos, people who are, well, you know, there's a lot of people out there in our world that have overinflated opinions of themselves. You know, they may get a high out of it, but are they, do they have peace inside? Do they have, because I think that joy is also kind of that peacefulness. It's that oneness. It's that oneness with nature. It's that oneness with your fellow human beings. It's that oneness with yourself. You know, can you look yourself in the eye and feel feel like you are doing your job in the world and, and contributing to the whole, not just self-serving? Um, you know, some people might say it brings them joy, but I would say it's almost always short-lived. I, I truly believe that you bring yourself joy. Mm -hmm. And it's it's how you live. I'll give you an example. I at one time was a national sales manager for a major poultry company, and traveled all over the United States. I talked to vice presidents. I had this great little credit card that I could throw on the table and 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 say every the drinks are on me and and stuff. And I felt it. You know, it was a real ego boosting kind of thing. I spent the last twelve years before I started doing this as a bus driver for King County Metro. Now, that is the epitome of the difference than talking to vice presidents. Now I had people that were homeless telling me what for and stuff. So, so, but I still maintained a level of joy because I thought it was funny for one, but it's, it's how you treat everybody, how you treat your world around you and, and what's happening around you. It's, it, you can, you can make it work, but a lot of times, and it takes people like you to help us through it because we've got so much gunk in 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 the in the system that we need to clean it out a little bit. Got some gunk in the gears, yeah. <laughs> gunk in the gears, and we're not functioning very well. <laughs> yeah, right, right. No, and that's so true. And that's why I think any conversation around emotional wellness is is so important. And you know, the pandemic really showed the corporate world for the first time. Truly, there were companies who were aware and practicing good health and habits and training for their people around emotional wellness before, but it became so much more mainstream. The idea of how important your mental and, and whole person outlook on life was. And when you're suddenly isolated and didn't have support, you know, oh, this isn't actually a thing. And what they never realized was that it was always a thing. People were just, you know, people suffer in silence too in an office full of people as much as they struggle with, you know, their own challenges or demons, if you want to call them, when they're at home working alone. So it's a great conversation that has opened up so many more opportunities. You know, in the 80s and 90s, everything was about physical fitness, and that was the great, you know, the great uh, transition, the great upgrade, and Offices started putting gyms in their companies. And I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember when my dad first said, like, they put a gym in our office. And we're like, what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and then uh, mental wellness, you know, over the years has become more and more of a very important topic um, and still continues to be. And now emotional wellness. And I would say, and this is not for today's discussion, but I would say a piece of emotional wellness that I hope will start a new conversation in future years is spiritual wellness. And by that, I mean, what is spirituality to people that may not necessarily be defined as religion, but what is that aspect of the human being that has a need beyond just, you know, their basic needs, basic happiness, what is that piece? And when will it be safe to talk about it again? Because I think it plays a role in emotional wellness. 
Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. It's, it's and I know that you get a lot of people that come into your practice. And by the way, before I go there, I just want to ask you real quick. It must because you've been doing emotional wellness and working with businesses for a while. It must have done your heart good to see this switch kind of come about because people and then the great resignation that happened and and people decided we're not happy. I and I'm leaving and and stuff. So guys, there's plenty of jobs. I'm going to go find something I like to do and and stuff like that. So that did that make your heart feel good? You know what made me feel really good? Um, one was the awareness that was coming up, which I felt like, you know, as I just articulated, which was amazing. I just thought, you know, we were given an unwanted opportunity with the pandemic as, as a whole experience to really self-evaluate like people hadn't done in a really long time. You know, most people don't just wake up in the morning and say, am I really happy? Am I really happy in my job? Or they don't do it every day. And this gave people, you know, some people had to quit working entirely for a while and they started realizing, huh, I used to have hobbies. I used to have friends. I used to do stuff and travel and not be a slave to, you know, my business phone. And golly, this is pretty nice. I forgot what it was like to have a life um, or just prioritizing. So people for the first time in a long time really taking a good as a whole, almost as, you know, as a national movement or global movement, taking taking stock of where am I in my life, in my vision? And is this really where I want to be? And there were a lot of people who were saying, it's not so much about the money as I thought. I'm happy to take a lesser job doing something else to have my life back and to get my joy back. And they made that choice. And I thought that was courageous and really did make me happy. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, and you just said it because you, I'm sure this happens to you all the time where people come to you and say, you know, and, and, and I don't, is this all there is? There has to be more. This can't be all there is. And why am I really here? And those, those are both physical questions and they're also very spiritual questions mm -hmm. because why am i really here what am i destined to do mm. and, you know what 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 impact what positive impact am i going to make in the world and i do, do you have a lot of people that come to you with that you know not so much as you would think like right out of the gate but i think we all have these same existential questions <laughs> you know the, and you know okay we, we need a whole nother hour for that kevin because now <laughs> that would be a bucket of fun i can tell you right now <laughs> will you will you come back and we can have that talk <laughs> i will <laughs> awesome. that would be a that would be a, a whopper that's for sure yeah but i think that is kind of what it comes down to because you know that's another thing that people really um started realizing was for many people, they start realizing that they hadn't had time to give back in a long time, to volunteer, to be involved in their communities, to spend more time with their kids. And they just started realizing, yeah, giving back, being a, um, a useful part of society that was more than just part of the economy, you know, more than just one more gear in the machine is really fulfilling and i feel like that actually brings me joy and i feel like a more whole human being because of it so people started looking again at vision and purpose in a way that many people hadn't for a long time i mean people have been talking about that in you know corporate seminars and and you know it's out there it's in the conversation but more wholesale what is really my vision and purpose you know and even if we don't get all the way into the existential question what do i want with my life and what kind of quality of life do I want in my heart and emotionally, as opposed to just what brand of car I drive? Have people changed over time? Because I, I seem to think that we are a little bit more, well, actually a lot of, a lot more connected to who we are and what we choose to do. It's like I had a conversation with my father before he passed. He was an executive with Nordstrom for like 35 years. And I said, so what's your passion? And he said, what? what's your passion i don't know that i have one and i said well don't you want to do something and he said look i'm just a one-trick pony i just go to work and i come home and and i watch football on the weekends and that's that's all i can do we've changed is that our natural evolution or is it that the society has changed and opened up i think we live in an enormously privileged society and in this place i don't specifically mean economically they be able to have free speech, free thinking, 
um, to have the luxury to spend focus in the 21st century around things like emotional wellness and feelings and your or my version of spirituality is a luxury that most people in world history and many people on the planet still don't have. I mean, survival has been in the name of the game for so, so long. And, you know, even in the 20th century, survival was still, a, you know, we went through the depression, the first one, people were just recovering from that. And then we had world war and then people were just, you know, recovering, recovering from that. And then we have, you know, Korea and Vietnam. And there was always, you know, a lot of anxious, a lot of anxiety, a lot of um, after World War II, we got to get ahead. Um, you know, we have to demonstrate that we're not like, again, more ego trips here, the working class way down low. We don't wear overalls to work. We wear a blazer to work. And that makes me a better person than someone else. And now I need a little 1950s housewife to go with it. And I need my little <laughs> square box in a subdivision and I need the right car. And, you know, people just started getting, you know, kind of coming out of survival mentality into more of appearance. It's the great emerge, great, you know, the great um, emerging of what we used to call the middle class, right? Um, which was a phenomenon in the 20th century. Well, you know, I have like history degrees. I can't help myself. Anyway, <laughs> 20th century, not just from aristocracy and poverty, but then like one level up, you know, the, the middle class and the evolution of that. And now, but even the middle class still had a lot of pressure to to perform to show up how they looked how much money and now um we live in a level of comfort at least in our developed countries which may not always be contributing to some of these other countries in the world that are you know supplying us with all of this consumerism stuff that we buy right but we have a great opportunity to be thinkers and learners and investigate the finer things you know, I go back to, you know, thinking coming out of these very violent times, you know, uh, 500, 400 BC, and then you have the, emer you know, emerging Greek empire, and then later the emerging Roman empire, both which were very violent, by the way. But they became stable in a certain way where in that time, the upper class was able to, you know, famous Greek forum, Roman forum, they were able to exchange ideas and investigate and become more scientific in their way of living. And some of our great thinkers of all time came from those periods. So we're in that beautiful period where we have this opportunity to make the world a better place, not just for ourselves, but for society as a whole. And if that doesn't give you motivation or vision or purpose, um, you can always just be self-serving. <laughs> and you can be. And you're allowed to be if that's what you choose to do. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it's not joyful. And it's not as, you know, I was, I was talking, talking, when I was bus driving, we had some people that had come from other countries. One of my friends came from Kenya and uh, his father was the chief of the village and the women of the village would wake up every day. This is the difference between that we don't understand in this country, unless you've gone somewhere else. The women of the village would get up in the, in the morning and they grab these pots and they would walk six miles to go get water and then bring the water back. Um, and, uh, and that was part of their day and, but they found joy in it. And when the men one time said, I think that we're going to help our women cause it's a lot of work to take all that water. And the women said, what are you doing? Stay, go, you go do what you're doing. This is our time mm -hmm. to bond and to get together while we are taking this walk to go get water and stuff like that. So it's, it's all a matter of perspective, but still, they still had to walk six miles to get water, which yeah. is hard for any human. Very hard work, but it's such a great illustration of, you know, and they probably didn't have medical coverage and they probably oh, didn't no. have a pension. Oh, no. oh, have, no. you know, I know exactly, right? So, but the point is some of the happiest people in, on this earth that I have met, many of which in developing countries in very simple circumstances, have been some of the happiest, um, most, most generous people yes. I've ever met in my life. Um, I always, in recent years, I was in Morocco a couple of years ago, and we were just on the side of a highway in the middle of nowhere, literally. <laughs> and there was a watermelon vendor. He had a little, a little lean-to built right on the side of the, I might say highway, two-lane highway, right next to his watermelon field. 
and you could come in, he cut the watermelon for you. You could sit down on his cushions and he didn't speak a word of English and I didn't speak Arabic, although one person with us did. And just the joy he had making our friendship without even having words and sharing his watermelon. And it was just like, you know, you look at that and you, know, you could tell maybe he hadn't had perfect dentistry, but he was happy. I'm like, I know a lot of people with perfect dentistry who are miserable. <laughs> so what is it that we can do to simplify? It doesn't mean we have to get rid of everything and go back to, you know, more of a dark ages mentality. What can we do to simplify our life and put less pressure on our own performance so we can enjoy living? That's where joy starts coming out. And that's why we're here, yeah. is to enjoy living. Um, and help others enjoy living. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> but this gentleman in, that uh, worked for King County Metro, and he would send $200 home a month for his mom. And that put her into an economic status that she could have now afford to have a housekeeper and a cook uh, wow. on 200 bucks a month because the, the things are just completely different there. And But she was joyful to get it, and her people, mm-hmm. her cook and her her um, um, housekeeper were joyful to have it, uh, have the job that they had. So it's all a matter of perspective. And I, I just wish that, that everybody could be that, could live in more joy in just living life. But we get caught up in it. How do you unwind all that? No, it's really hard. Um, you know, there's the whole stuff problem, which is too much stuff it takes all our attention and we can't focus on just the simple things. You know, I've moved repeatedly in the last few years and I'll tell you, as stressful as it was, the personal life exfoliation that that caused of getting rid of stuff was actually <laughs> really amazing. And then on my most recent move, I was in an area where I didn't really need a car. And um, so I ended up selling a car and simplifying and now I've been lived for two years without a car. Now we have one car in the family, so that has to do, but I take it on as a personal challenge. Like how simply can you live, you know, and Hey guys, you know how nice it is not to have a car payment <laughs> <laughs> or insurance or, or, or right? Exactly. Yeah. So mostly I just was dragging my feet this whole time. And I kept thinking, you know, what? we really need one. Like I'll wait till it becomes pressing. Well, I'm sure I will still get one, but I'm happy that I could say I did two years without of my own personal vehicle. And it's amazing how well life went. You know, we have this idea that just the more we have, it somehow makes life easier. Also, there was a time in my life um, where I had a very large home um, and was living you know, a very comfortable lifestyle. It was so much work. All you ever worried about was entertaining people and then cleaning up after 50 people. And then you had to hire help to come in and do that. And it was literally just so much on my mind. I was more peaceful when I moved into, you know, a tiny condo in Santa Monica that was like 750 square feet than I'd been in that 4,000 square foot house. So you see, there's really find your joy for you. Everyone's different. You can only be in one room at a time. I don't know if if people (laughs) recognize that it's not physically possible for you to be in more than one room at a time. And so whatever room you're in, be happy there. Exactly. And and there's nothing wrong with things and the benefit of our labors and, and being blessed. That is not, it's not wrong. All I say is, do your toys and all your badges of status, are they giving you peace and joy or are they making you stressed and keeping your mind busy and unable to focus on some of the things that matter more? That's the question to ask yourself. And that's where you can start finding your own joy again. Now, did you ever listen to the gospel according to George Carlin? You know, I don't think I ever did. <laughs> He's got, he had a skit that he did that was called Stuff. You get stuff, you get a house, and then you fill it up with stuff, and then you get more stuff, and then you have to get a bigger house to put your stuff in it, and then you fill that up, and then you have to put it in the garage, and then you can't put your car in the garage because your stuff is in the garage. And so it was. That's perfect, actually. That's a perfect, perfect illustration, right? Exactly. By the way, we're talking with Ann Scott, and she, you are just adorable. I just love talking to you. (laughs) Always a pleasure, Kevin. I always get so excited when I know I get to talk to you. (laughs) This is so much fun. And uh, if you want to get a hold of Ann, you can go to annscotland.com. 
and uh, and she's got a bunch of programs out there, and she's got some things happening this this fall. What's happening this fall? So uh, this fall, um, I'm launching a new coaching program. Um, this is me individual one, which I haven't done for a while. Um, and um, a very special one-on-one focused program for um, setting goals, emotional wellness, um, mental reset, professional, um, accelerating your professional life. It's not about the, the little pieces of your job. It's not business consulting. It's more how can you maximize the life you have now in for your joy, but also just for whatever your goals are, your vision. So, um, and there's going to be a new page coming out on my website next week. And also, if you're just listening, uh, my name is spelled L-I-N at the end. So it's S-C-O-T-T-L-I-N, not the country. So Anne, A-N-N-E, S-C-O-T-T-L-I-N.com. Check it out. And if you'd like to check out my free Joy Journal, which is a beautiful color seven-day journal that will give you a simple question in the morning and night to kind of create awareness around your joy and what's taking it and what's giving it, that's annscotland.com forward slash Joy Journal. And, uh, and I've got just a couple of minutes left in the show and I'm going to set myself aside here and would like you to think deeply into your heart. And I want you to tell the people that are listening to this broadcast today and those that will be listening to it as a podcast on positive and YouTube and all that other stuff, tell them whatever you would like them to know. Hmm. If you have anyone in your life that you love and you know what that feels like to care about them, to love them, to be kind to them, learn to love and be kind to yourself because you clearly already know how to do it for someone else, but it's okay to do it for yourself. And the amount of healing and health and joy of just being more loving and patient with ourselves instead of constantly being our worst enemy and our greatest critic can do can create so much healing in your life and bring you so much joy. And when you have more joy, those people around you can experience more joy too. That was perfectly said. And I want to thank you again for being here. Um, you're listening to Positive Talk Radio, and that's Ann Scotland, L-I-N at the end. Thank you for being here. And by the way, be kind to one another because each other's all we've got. We'll see you next time. The views expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of KKNW, its management, or other advertisers. Contests are the responsibility of the hosts of this program and not KKNW. This is Alternative Talk 1150 AM, KKNW Seattle, and KNUC 98.9 HD3 Seattle. Well, good afternoon. Eric Ryder here with you on KKNW. We are approaching 5 o'clock. Time for a quick look at our traffic. Southbound I find from the U District 2I90 is slow. And we're finding some slowing approaching Tequila down to about South 200. 